and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9, What's My Line Part 1? Just a quick announcement about everyone's favorite subject, book club. Yay! We'll be doing the next installment of the Demon Hunter Soccer Mom series, Deja Demon, in three weeks. As always, I'll put a link to the book in this week's show notes. Oh, I can't wait. So I'm as, so excited. Like I've I I listened to it the week leading up to it. So everything is fresh. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Ooh. I try I try to wait and read it like start it like start reading it like a week and a half before we do it. So Yeah, yeah. It's really you know what? I like these books because <sighs> my job my job is is kind of boring sometimes so I have a lot of downtime where I can zone out and listen to something and pay attention to that so yeah I can't wait to be internally screaming while I'm working (laughs) oh my god so uh, speaking of me like internally screaming and reacting to stuff while I'm working I've been watching as Mary knows I've been watching below deck while at work <laughs> there was one there was one day I, I don't even remember what episode they all run together where something happened and I I went oh, out loud and my coworker my coworker looked at she's like are you okay and I'm like yeah I'm fine like I'm <laughs> having a moment I'm, o- I'm okay I'm okay like oh you know what I think it was when Ashton was freaking out on Kate oh yeah no we don't like Ashton here in the Uber. No, like when he was like when he just went off, I think. And and then back on the boat. Like, I think that was what I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't keep this in. I can't contain it. Ashton, get your shit together. When you run out of Below Deck, you should listen to the Akatar series because like I just told you offline, I hate the Internet because they've consumed my life. And so more people should also read them and or listen to them so that I have more people to talk about. Yeah, yeah. When um, I think I think I'm gonna finish up the ma- the original Below Deck series. I'm not gonna move on to Mediterranean or sailing yacht yet, and then I'll I'll go on to that series for you. Yes, good. Everyone should. <laughs> anyway, that was my that was my book talk moment of the day. Yes, and also and also bad reality TV show. <laughs> bad reality TV shows. We we recommend only the best of things on this oh, podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, really watch. Below deck is batshit. <laughs> and that's 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 Mary's fault too. That, yeah, sorry. I, yeah. I I bring all like the weird batshit stuff into people's lives. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because this book is this book Mary's recommending. A- actually everything is Mary's fault. Everything is Mary yeah, yeah. Like she can't she can't even can't even deny that. It is all your fault. Yeah. No. I guess yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. It's my fault. Yeah. I mean the fact that all of you are constantly subjected to us rambling about Buffy and our thirst for Giles that's also Mary's fault (laughs) all right you know what we're just gonna talk about the episode now I get it (laughs) I wrote the screenplay to glitter just okay Yeah, that one took you a moment. Oh, okay. that's, oh my God. That's, you were really digging there. I was really. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we should get started.
What's My Line Part 1? It aired on November 17th, 1997. Yes, still a Monday. And this was the first ever episode to be written by Marty Noxon. Oh, yay, we love Marty. Yes. And we do have a, a couple little tidbits of stuff she said along the way. Our synopsis for this week is Buffy is hunted by assassins, as well as a woman with a bad attitude towards vampires. <laughs> Okay, that's that's the best description of like Kendra ever. I know, know, like attitude towards vampires. I mean, it's not wrong, but it's just a great. (laughs) Meanwhile, Spike uncovers the ritual that may save the weakening Drusilla. Okay, so what are our international titles, Froggy? Okay, so the international titles this week we have. Uh, Armenian is What Is My Way, Part 1. Czech, What Will I Be, First Part. Finnish, Visitors, Part 1. French, Kendra, Part 1. Oh, I like that they give her the title. Yeah, yeah, I like that. German, The Rival. Hungarian, What Will the Future Bring, Part 1. Italian, Unity Makes the Strength, First Part. What? Yeah. Go home, Italy. You're drunk. Actually, all of them, all of them are different. Are are different this week. So uh, we're at Italy. Uh, Japanese is Buffy's Destiny Part One. Oh, I like that. Polish is simply Slayer Part One. Portuguese, What Should I Do? First Part. <laughs> Romanian, Which Is My Reply? Part One. Russian, What Is My Path? Part One. Spanish from Latin America is What Is My Vocation? Part One. And Spanish from Spain is what's mine one. Okay. Like, I, I like that. I like that we have a lot of questions, a lot of yeah, questions. Yeah, no, I mean, this, this is the, this is the first week where I've read every single one that they, yeah. that they gave me. So, because they were all, they were all different. They weren't all a play on what's my line. Yeah. I'm sure you'll explain the meaning behind that title. So that title, you know, the title has a very specific meaning and in, in American culture. So it doesn't like the, the pop culture reference doesn't quite translate. So I kind of like how everybody, how all the other different countries. They made it work. They made it work. They brought out something different. I do like the fact that the French brought out, just Kendra. Like that was yes. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, she she deserves she deserves the title. She does. We like She'll it. probably get our title because she deserves it. I think we should. I, I also like the the unity makes the strength was that <laughs> just go home, Italy, you're drunk. <laughs> well, yeah. Wine. Somebody was definitely drinking too much wine when they made that title. Oh yes. <clears throat> we do get a previously on this week, mostly focused on Drusilla and what Angel told us of her backstory, with just the tiniest bit about the book thrown in at the end, how it was stolen from Giles, and how Spike thinks it will be quite useful for something. Then we're off to Sunnydale High, where the career fair has apparently been delayed. The old banner having a piece of paper taped <laughs> over it, saying that it will begin tomorrow. Not today, tomorrow. <laughs> Willow enters, all smiles as she takes in the flurry of activity. Balloons being tied places, booths being set up. She signs in, grabs one of the aptitude tests, and goes to sit with Buffy and Xander. Xander, it seems, is having a bit of a problem, finding none of the answers to be a good fit. Something which Willow says is causing him to sound a little bitter. He just thinks it's impossible for one series of questions to accurately determine what he's going to do for the rest of his life. Well, Willow is 
very excited. She's curious to see what career the test thinks she will have. What, and take all the spontaneity out of being young and stupid? (laughs) Willow reminds Xander they won't be young forever. True, but he'll always be stupid. I mean, yeah. He looks between Willow and Buffy, who seems a bit out of it, before telling them not to all run and disagree with him at once. (laughs) Sensing she's missed her cue, Buffy looks up and tells him he's not stupid. For the moment, it looks like he's going to say something else, but then his attention, and ours as the viewing audience, is drawn to Cordelia, who is going through the questions while walking with two of her cordettes. Cordelia checks off the box that says she aspires to help her fellow man, before qualifying it with as long as he's not smelly or gross or anything. As she passes by the table where the Scoobies are sitting, Xander comments on how good it is of her to always be willing to help the rich and the beautiful. Yes, well, thankfully, that counts him out twice. Aw. She walks away and Xander asks if murder is always a crime. (laughs) Yeah. You know, do they still do this kind of shit? in schools I don't know yeah so I have it in my notes later but we can talk about it right now for a second did you guys do a career fair yes okay see we did not yes yeah we did a career fair yeah was it something to do with you were being in catholic school no not exactly so we did we did senior internship week where we shadowed an alumni in our chosen field for a week we didn't do like the aptitude test and the boots and everything we more because we have a big alumni network yeah yeah we went out yeah because you have plus you have all of the the sister schools and Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah you have that big yeah no we did i can't even remember i think by this point in high school i was over it all (laughs) (laughs) like i was you know i was a good student i was you know involved in a lot of extracurriculars but i was just i'm like i need to get out i'm done i hate it here here being my rural hometown just like i don't care what happens (laughs) but yeah i don't I don't know. And I don't think I know anyone with like high school age children to ask. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like I, I know Kevin's cousin just had a, a kid graduate from high school last year. So I don't know if they did any kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie's mom might know. Jackie, please help. Because um, her mom is a counselor at Panda's old high school in California. Oh, OK. So if stuff like this is going on, she would be in the office where like all the planning is. Yes. Is yes. So maybe maybe Jackie's mom can yes. tell us if this still happens. Yes, we need we need the inside scoop on the, that that family. They have all the inside scoops for they us. They do. We we need that career fair tea. I know we got you know we got one of them is has all that high school knowledge. We got Jackie with the insider Hollywood knowledge. <laughs> Does her sister have any knowledge that she can bring to us? She's a dancer. If we need dance knowledge, okay, all right, yeah. And her dad was in the army, so like later when we talk about missile launchers, we could yes, yes, absolutely, yes, we could consult him on that in the initiative. Yes, we will. (laughs) And yeah, when we get to season four, you have all that military stuff going on. Yeah, and I mean, Panda and I both work for the government, so you know, see, you're you're ready to be of use. You're our insider on the healthcare system. I am the insider on the healthcare system. I just, I can tell you about corporate titles and good standings and i can tell you about photos you can tell us about photos. you scan ghosts onto the internet i I scan ghosts in the onto the internet so when we get to band candy you have family members that worked in the candy industry i yes i do i yes there is a reason why i had a chocolate addiction as a child 
See, we just, we love putting the people in our lives to use. Plus, plus I sold band candy. Yeah, I did too. Not not in high school, but in elementary school, we had the candy drives. Yeah, no, I, I have, when we get, when we get to band candy, I have a great story about, about selling, selling candy. So, <laughs> but let's get back to what's my life. But let's get back to the career fair. <laughs> Buffy starts in on shrubs. Does she like them? Xander tells her that's between her and her God. Well, what did Willow put? Willow says she came down on the side of shrubs okay go shrubs <laughs> she honestly doesn't even know why she's bothering it doesn't matter what the test says they know her deal yep xander comments on the high risk low minimum wage life she leads full of danger and pointy objects willow asks if that's the case why is she even taking the test because it's principal snyder's hoop of the week believe her she wouldn't be there otherwise mm-hmm <laughs> Willow asks if she's not even the tiniest bit curious, and she gets a bit short with her, asking her if the words sealed and fate mean anything to her. (laughs) Why even go there? Willow looks hurt as Xander tells Buffy with that sort of attitude, she could have a bright future at the DMV. (laughs) She apologizes and admits she's just frustrated that unless hell freezes over and every vampire in Sunnydale puts in for an early retirement, that the future is kind of a non-issue. So I know I talk a lot about how like they never really focus on the lifespan of a slayer. Yeah. Like how when you look at the stories of the historical ones, it's rare that any of them make it past four years on the job. Yeah. Before Buffy, the longest running one was Nikki, who made it seven years. Seven. That's it. Seven. Seven. Since she was called. But watching this scene again, it's clearly there between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy's not just saying that the rest of her life is going to be consumed by being the Slayer. She's also saying that she doesn't know how much life she even has left. Exactly. I mean, she died once already. Yeah, which is why, you know, she calls the future a non-issue. Yeah, like she's living every day for that day. Yeah. She just wants to enjoy the life that she has. But speaking of the vampires of Sunnydale, we're going to head over to the factory where Drusilla is looking over a tarot card spread and Spike works with Dalton trying to translate the book they stole from Giles. So far, it's not going real well. Their latest attempt yielding in debase the beef canoe. (laughs) Drusilla calls out to Spike asking him to come dance, but he snaps at her, telling her that they're working. Seems he and Buffy are both having a rather bad day. She recoils a bit, whimpering, and realizing what he's done, he's at her side in an instant, apologizing. He didn't mean to snap, it's just... That book is supposed to hold her cure, and yet it reads like nothing but gibberish. Not even Dalton, big brain that he is, can figure it out. She says she needs to go change Miss Edith before beginning to keel over. Spike gently guides her to a chair, saying he can't stand to see her like this. But the bloody slayer keeps mucking it up. They're running out of time, and Drusilla assures him he'll find a way to make it work, and the two of them kiss. Slowly pulling away from her, he goes back to Dalton's end of the table. Well, Dalton tells him that while it looks like Latin, it's not Latin. It's not any language he's ever seen. Okay, then make it a language. Isn't that what a transcriber (laughs) is supposed to do? He grabs Dalton, but Drusilla tries to stay him. Still, he punches him at least once, saying some people find pain to be very motivating (laughs) before she has a chance to elaborate. Dalton can't help him, not without the key. The key. The book is in some sort of code. Dalton nods as Spike once again moves towards Drusilla. A card with a picture of a crypt sits in the middle of her spread. Is that where they'll find the key? She murmurs an affirmative and he says he'll send the boys at once. Now, now will he dance? Oh, he'll dance. Picking her up, 
he begins to twirl her about while saying that the two of them will dance on the Slayer's grave. The music they dance to has a very Gomez and Morticia feel to it. Yeah. yeah, It's that same kind of melody. Yeah. I love Dalton. Dalton is great. And he is described in the script as being the (laughs) anti-Giles. I love it. I love that he is, he's basically evil Giles. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like him. I, I feel like, uh, Dalton was hired by our good friend Joe. I think Dalton was hired by Joe. My my favorite moment with Dalton is still coming. Yeah. The, hey back then. Yeah. <laughs> like I I just I really do like him and I wish he was he would have been around more. Yeah, we need more Dalton. I know. Like, and I would have, he's, he's one of the few, he's one of the few vampires that I actually want to know more about. Yes. Like, I would like. A pa- like, where like, did you come from, Dalton? Yeah, and like, I would love, I would love a series of short stories about some of the different vampires. Yes. Like, somebody like. Dalton, who he has this ability, you know, he he can do translations. He like like he is a very Giles like character. So like I'd like to know his background. I'd like to know it's the same thing with Twilight too. It's like I love all of these side characters. Where's the stories about these people? Main characters are fucking annoying. Oh, and Twilight. The side yeah. characters are fantastic. I know they are fantastic. Give me more of them. Bam! Credits. Woo! <laughs> we return from the credits to the cemetery where Buffy is on patrol. It seems all is quiet until she hears the sounds of stone being chipped away from inside one of the crypts, a light shining through its window. Peeking in, she sees Dalton, but instead of interrupting him, she decides to wait, just standing outside the crypt. When he finally emerges, she asks him if rest in peace means anything to him, <laughs> or more precisely, you people, before saying she forgot vampires aren't people. Wow, Buffy. Wow. wow. Way to be speciesist. I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, maybe, but she's also like basically just called her supposed boyfriend not a person. Well, I mean, we are having issues with him right now. Oh, so many issues. Not even turning to look at the vamp who has been coming up behind her, Buffy kicks him. He stumbles back and the two enter into a full-blown fight that ends up with her staking him. One down, one gone. It seems Dalton took advantage of Buffy being distracted to make his exit. In Buffy's room, Angel is standing, looking around awkwardly. (laughs) Buffy starts to climb up through the window when she sees him. She watches for a moment before very pointedly dropping her bag loudly onto the floor. (laughs) Startled, he turns to face her, and we see that he's clutching a small stuffed pig, Mr. Gordo. I love Mr. Gordo. As she finishes climbing through the window, she asks him, what's up? Did he come by for some quality time with the pig? What? No. Okay, then what is it? It's nothing. He doesn't have nothing face. He has something face. (laughs) And he doesn't have to whisper, her mom's in LA till Thursday, art buying or something. I say, I say to Kevin, you have something face all the time. Like, what's going on? And also art buying. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that because there are just there are several, several things to discuss here. Yeah. Uh, first the fact that Angel just lets himself into her bedroom. That's weird and kind of creepy. Especially if uh, he doesn't know that Joyce isn't home. Yeah. Like, was he just gonna dive in the closet again? Right. Like, because she makes a point to say, hey, my, you know, my mom's not home because he reacted. Yeah. So he didn't know she wasn't home. No. Or, you know what? Maybe he would have 
dove out the window. Oh yeah, maybe done another one of those like weird roof dives. I I would have I really would would have loved to have seen him just like her her coming in the room and not looking like her looking over her shoulder or something. But you the camera is in the room and you just see him dive out the window. To we all know what Joyce is doing in Los Angeles. Oh, We're yeah. gonna find out on the news later that LACMA had a break in. Some priceless pieces were stolen. And three, if Joyce is gone, why is Buffy bothering to go in and out of the window? Use the door, weirdo. I know. What is yes? What Angel also wants to know while she's bothering with the window. He gets a gold star for that, but just yeah. one. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad somebody pointed out the fact that if her mom isn't home, she can use the front door. And Buffy frowns for a moment before saying, habit. Uh, Yeah, yeah. He then goes on to say that he wanted to come and check on her, that he had a bad feeling. There is a surprise. Angel comes with bad news. away and Buffy feels immediately guilty. Anyone notice there's a lot of parallels going on between Spike and Buffy and their conversations with people. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're both they're both being They're not, having a time. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not doing well. She says she's been cranky miss all day and that it has nothing to do with him. What is it then? Nothing. Just a thing at school. Career week? Yeah. How did he know about that? He lurks. And you just lost your gold star, Angel. Oh. Sorry. Angel, look, we know you're a creeper. You don't have to keep (laughs) confirming you're a creeper. Buffy says it's a whole week of what's my line, only she doesn't get to play. Sometimes she just wants a normal life as she looks over at the mirror and Angel's lack of reflection in it. So this seems like a good time to mention what's my line. Yes. It refers to the game show that ran on CBS from 1950 to 1967. The game consisted of celebrity panelists who questioned contestants in order to determine their occupation. Yep. Fitting for an episode centered around a career fair. Yes. I like to imagine that Buffy and Joyce, like we've already decided that Buffy and Joyce watch old movies together. So it's kind of fitting that they would probably watch old game show reruns together. Yes, absolutely. Like, what's my line? for somebody that isn't familiar with old game shows wouldn't get it because it was a really niche thing back in the 50s. Yeah. So I really did like the choice of it. It was also in 2013 listed by TV Guide as number nine in their list of the 60 greatest game shows ever. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, it is a fun. It is a fun game show. I definitely recommend going on YouTube and finding clips of it. It is a fun, fun game show. Yeah, if you have cable, I think it's on one of those game show network things. (laughs) I don't know. I know my before my grandfather passed, my mom would leave that channel on. Yeah. Because during the day it was it was a lot of stuff like Pyramid and like all those game shows from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And I think that was one of them, but I don't really remember. Yeah, they were great. That was a great time for for game shows. Buffy goes on to say she sometimes wishes that her life could be like it was before, before him. No, no, he is the one freaky thing in her freaky life that makes sense. She just, she gets messed sometimes, thinking, wouldn't it be nice if they could just be regular kids? Angel says he'll never be a kid. No, no, he will not, because he's a grown-ass man. You you were a grown-ass man when you died. Buffy says, fine. Then a regular kid and her cradle-robbing creature of the night boyfriend. Interesting thing to note, the cradle-robbing part, 
not in the original script. Oh, that was added later. So kudos to whoever made that suggestion. Yes, yes, that is, which it also works because like we just said, Buffy's having a day. Yeah, she's having a day. So her being a little salty about the fact that she has this older boyfriend who is kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I like that line. Angel laughs and picks up a framed photo from her dresser. Buffy at maybe six on ice skates. She's mortified. That was right in the middle of her Dorothy Hamill phase. (laughs) Dorothy posters, Dorothy dolls, Dorothy haircut. She pretty much secured her place in the Geek Hall of Fame with that one. Angel says she wanted to be like her. And Buffy said she wanted to be her. That her parents were fighting all the time and that being on the ice, it made her feel safe. We're Joyce and Hank really fighting when she was that young? Because we were told in season one that their marital problems started shortly before Buffy became the Slayer. Yeah, I... And that they were trying to fix things during that time, but her whole coming in and out at all hours and getting into trouble thing didn't really help. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's probably just a continuity error. Yeah. Angel asks Buffy when the last time she put her skates on was, and she says about 100 demons ago. Why? He tells her there's a rink off Route 17 that's closed on Tuesdays. Really? Because tomorrow's Tuesday. Yes. Yes, it is. They smile at one another and fine, Angel can have his gold star back because that was really fucking cute. That was really cute. Yes, we will. But see... If he hadn't lost his gold, his other gold star, he'd have two gold stars. That's true. He would have two gold stars. Yeah. But he had to be a creeper. I know. So he only gets one. Also, if anyone would like to visit said ice rink, it is apparently called Iceland, and it is about 25 miles away from where they filled Buffy in Paramount, California. There you go. Back to Sunnydale High, where Cordelia and Xander are looking over the posted test results. Cordelia finds her and says she got personal shopper or motivational speaker. Motivational speaker? On what? How to be even more annoying? <laughs> she takes a peek at Xander's and laughs before walking away, leaving Xander to panic as he tries to find his name. Meanwhile, Willow is asking Buffy about her and Angel's skating date. Is it really going to be just the two of them? Unless some forces of evil pop up, but Buffy is in full see no evil mode. Angel on ice skates? Willow is clearly trying to picture it as Buffy says she knows. Two worlds colliding. Yeah. That's when Xander comes up telling the two of them that they know him about as well as anyone else. Maybe even better than he knows himself. So when they look at him, do they see prison guard? The two girls try (laughs) very hard not to laugh and fail miserably at it. As Xander says, according to his test results, that he can look forward to a career in the ever-growing field of corrections. Buffy tells him that at least he'll be on the right side of the bar. Yeah, yeah. At least he's not going to be, he's going to be in prison, but, you know, working the prison. Go ahead. Laugh. He tells her that she's been assigned to the booth for law enforcement. Funny, as Buffy will become a cop in the season nine version of the comics. Yep. But for now, she's horrified. Polyester, uniforms, and donuts. She groans as Willow tries to make her feel better because donuts! It doesn't work. She's still bummed. But whatever, she'll cross that bridge when she comes to it. Right now, she needs to deal with Giles, who is taking the path alongside the courtyard, carrying a very tall stack of books. (laughs) Apparently, he is on some kind of hyper-efficiency kick and expects Buffy to check in every day after homeroom. She heads that way, and Willow asks Xander if he happened to check and see what seminar she was assigned. He did, and she wasn't. What? But she turned in her test. She used a number two pencil and everything. He says he guesses she passed then. (laughs) But this isn't the kind of test you pass or fail. He's not sure what to tell her. He checked the list and she wasn't there. I love this. (laughs) 
Again, this is another one of those things that when we get, I wish more had come of this whole. Yes. Yes. In the library, Giles sets down the massive pile of books, placing it next to several other stacks of books. Only this one begins to tip over. Thankfully, Buffy is there and she catches it, helping him write it before taking a seat. Giles tells her that he's been indexing several of the Watcher's diaries. Hey! And she won't believe how pompous some of the other Watchers were. Color her stunned. (laughs) Buffy's bag in this scene is like a fluffy cheetah print purse. And I love it. I love it so much. Again, I am, I'm, I'm here for a lot of the style choices that go on in this episode. Giles asks how the night's patrol went, and she said it was fine, that she managed to dust one of the two vamps she caught stealing something from the mausoleum. They were stealing? Yeah, they have tools, flashlights, the whole nine yards. What does that mean anyway, the whole nine yards? Nine yards of what? (laughs) Buffy says it's going to bug her for the rest of the day. Buffy asks an excellent question, and the answer is, no one knows. While we understand the expression the whole nine yards to mean the whole lot and or everything, no one knows where it comes from. Wow. In fact, Yale University has called it the most prominent entomological riddle of our time. Oh, geez. Yeah, like I... There are theories that it originated somewhere in the U.S. military system, but nobody can prove it. (laughs) Oh, I love a good entomological mystery. Mm -hmm. While Buffy's been mulling over turns of phrase, Giles has been pacing, something she finally notices as she asks, what gives? Turns out Giles is concerned about the theft. She didn't see what they took? No, but she's pretty sure whatever it is, it's old. She didn't make the slightest bit of effort to find out. (laughs) No, she just assumed it was the usual vampire hijinks. And what if it wasn't? What if it was something else? If she just put in a bit more effort, Buffy tells him that if he doesn't like how she does the job, he can go find someone else. <laughs> oh, wait, there is no one else. Mm, isn't there, though? Hmm. That as long as she's alive, she's what he's got. But hey, she could just not be the Slayer. She could be dead instead. Giles tells her that that's not funny and to note that he's not laughing. <laughs> of course, she doesn't see much difference. Either way, she's bored, unable to shop, and yet her hair and nails keep growing. Really, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> Giles says, do they have to be introspective right now? Giles, this is not introspection. This is Buffy being annoyed at the world and kind yeah. of a brat. I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. But yeah. still. No, Buffy's Buffy's definitely going through something right now. She's, yeah. And again, like you said, rightfully so. She's allowed to be pissed off, especially. I can definitely see that she's going to get more pissed off about the whole thing because of the career fair going on. Mm-hmm. Because now it's being smacked in her face that she probably doesn't have a future, that there's nothing that she can do about it. No, ma- yeah. no matter no matter how much she's assigned to some sort of career path, she can't do anything about it. No. And there's always going to be like, and even if she tries, every time she tries to have a normal life, something mm-hmm. goes wrong. And we really start to see that once she graduates from high school, when she goes to college and beyond. I we really start to see that in a few weeks when the pattern of Buffy just not celebrating her birthday oh, yeah. should start. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the poor girl can't even celebrate her birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Something exactly. bad always happens. Yeah, like I'm just gonna, but you know what? It's like, I'm just gonna stay at home, not do anything, not talk to anybody. I'm not even gonna acknowledge it. He says their main concern needs to be finding out what the vampire took. Oh, I know. I know. 
as we next see Drew reaching out as if wanting to caress the item in question, which just happens to be a large ornate cross that is lying on a red velvet pillow. Spike holds it for her while Drew, from her bed, reads the energy, saying that it hums. She can feel it. I love Drew. Spike tells her that once she's well again, they'll have a coronation down Main Street and invite everyone, and that they'll drink for seven days and seven nights. Dolphin says, what about the Slayer? She almost ruined everything. She's trouble. Trouble. Turning to face him, Spike gives Dalton a no shit kind of look. (laughs) She's the gnat in his ear, the gristle in his teeth, the bloody thorn in his bloody side. (laughs) Oh, he's got such good lines. He kicks something, angry at her entire existence, before Drusilla calls out to him. He says they need to do something, that they'll never be able to complete her cure with that bitch breathing down their spines. (laughs) Suddenly, he's struck with inspiration. He just needs to call in the big guns. They'll take care of her. The big guns? The Order of Taraka. Dalton kind of gasps, shocked he'd call in the bounty hunters, while Drew turns over three cards, each representing one of the hunters. A cyclops, a centipede, (laughs) and a jaguar. She smiles and she says they're coming to her party. Three of them. Dalton worries this might be overkill, but Spike says no. It's just enough kill. <laughs> oh, um, so I was just clicking around on some some things and uh, came across the whole nine yards. Oh. So I'm on the, the BBC site for Buffy. Yeah. And they said, as Buffy points out, this saying doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Possible explanations are that a machine gun belt of bullets was nine yards long or that a shroud is made out of nine yards of material. So the machine gun would go with the whole theory that it dates back to the armed forces. Yes, yes. Interesting. Yes. So I have always loved Drusilla's cards. Yes. Even if they're not exactly tarot cards. As in, there is no deck that matches these. Yes. Marty apparently didn't know all the cards that made up a tarot deck. And so she just had Drusilla's cards reflect what she needed for the plot. I kind of I, I kind of want a replica of this deck. I Someone's so. had to have made them. Yeah. I will be checking Etsy later. I feel like, and you know what? I feel like it really uh, also reflects Drusilla. Yes. Like it makes sense that mm-hmm. a vampire would have a different deck. So this might even be like a whole vampire thing. Yeah, it's very possible. Back to Sunnydale High, where Xander and Willow are making their way through the career fair. Only Xander's confused as to why Willow is even there. She defies category. Go, (laughs) fly, be free, little bird. She tells him she's looking for Buffy, and he says that she and Giles took off about an hour ago. Some sort of field trip deal. Willow says she better get back soon or else Snyder did such a great job with the career fair. She abruptly changes the subject, smiling as she sees Snyder come down the hall. (laughs) Xander agrees. In fact, the career fair is so spectacular that he's thinking principal school. He wants to walk in Snyder's shoes, only not his actual shoes because he's a (laughs) tiny person. Not tiny, like... Small, just Snyder asks where she is. And at first, Willow tries to play dumb. Who? She knows who. Willow then starts with the whole she was just here thing, but Snyder shuts that down as well. Willow says, but she did just see her, and she is around there somewhere. Xander starts to chime in with a, for what it's worth, but Snyder tells him that it's worth absolutely nothing. (laughs) That everything that comes out of his mouth is meaningless dribble. Well then... Xander appreciates that he feels he can be so honest with him, and he hopes that one day he is in a position where he can be as similarly honest. Fascinating. I love that the narration here says, Snyder looks at Xander as if examining a rare bug. (laughs) It's 
that's a good one. Yeah, I I really I love Snyder. He's fantastic. Like he's such a great foil character to them all. He is. He really is. And again, rest in peace, Principal Flutie. We loved you. Mm-hmm. But they definitely need another adversary. Yeah. Of the human variety. Yes. Because he he just makes their lives difficult. And even again, we're going to talk about it later. Like, we don't know how much he knows at this point. Yeah. But he just knows he has to make Buffy's life miserable. And by that extension, her friends' lives miserable. And I and I do like that it adds just the tiniest bit of realism to exactly, it. Exactly, yes. Because if he wasn't there and we didn't have a character like Snyder, you'd have the people being like, why does no one ever notice she's never in school? Exactly. Which, I mean, we do that with, with other high school shows. Yeah, like, why does no one notice these people never go to class? Yeah. But... But here we do have someone who notices and is like, no, you're a student at the school. You're going to take part in these school-wide activities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and as much of a hard ass as he is, he is a very realistic principal in a lot of ways. Yes. Like he notices what goes on in his school. He's not oblivious. Snyder heads off and Xander says he needs to run too, that he's got to see the warden about standard riot procedure. This leaves Willow all by her lonesome. That is until two tech dudes who look a bit like our sketchy government agents from out of mind, out of sight. They do. Come over to her, asking her to take a walk with them. They lead her up through a black curtain that is blocking off some of the student lounge. Inside, there is classical music playing as a waiter walks around with appetizers. Mm -hmm. Turns out she has been selected to meet with Mr. McCarthy, head recruiter for the world's leading software concern. They tell her that his jet has been delayed, but he will be there shortly. Willow doesn't understand. She didn't even get her test back. The test was irrelevant. They've been (laughs) tracking her for some time. Okay. So this is just like a cover for this. CIA, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, these dudes are totally CIA. Oh, no. No, they are definitely using some sort of cover. Because you can't just have government agents coming in saying, we are government agents. We think you should work for our government agency. Look at us. We are just not government agents. Well, I mean, I think it depends on the government agency because Awesome Con definitely had an FBI recruiter booth. Yes, but that's the FBI. Yeah, no, the CIA is is definitely different. And that's why I'm like, this has to be CIA because not to plug more stuff, but I've read one or two books by people who they've since gotten out so they can talk about it. Yeah. And they said like when they were going through the interview, they couldn't tell their families who they were interviewing with. Like when they contacted like the families for background checks and stuff, it was all like a suit, like a fake company. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, my, my friend from, from college, her dad worked for the NSA and it was a similar thing. Like everything, like he was, he has a map in his study with pinpoints of all the places that he was sent to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's things like that. It's going to be very, very classified. Yeah. So no, these people are totally CIA. There's no tech company. Oh no, no. Which is why like we should have seen this go a little bit further, but we, we didn't, unfortunately. You know, like I feel like these are some from the same branch, like they're a different department, but from the same branch of whoever took Marcy away. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So like, it makes sense. She asks if that's a good thing, and they say they think so. They're extremely selective. In fact, only one other Sunnydale student made the cut. Willow turns towards the couch to see who this other student is, and it's Oz! Yay! Yay! They finally get to meet! Yes! They finally get to meet in person! Oh, yay! Oh, God, I love him so much. 
Willow takes a seat next to Oz, and as she does so, his attention shifts from the tray of food he'd been eyeing to her. He holds out the tray, offering it with a canopy. <laughs> In the cemetery, Buffy pushes through the wrought iron gates, charging ahead and leaving Giles to struggle as he tries to keep up, pleading for her to slow down. She reminds him that they have work to do and tells him to get with the program. He tells her that she is being rather immature. She is! Yeah, and would he like to know why? (laughs) It's because she is immature. She's a teen. She's yet to mature. Giles says all he did was offer some constructive criticism. And Buffy says, no, he didn't. He was harsh. Was he, though? Like, I get why Buffy is winging out. We've talked about this. This is a whole week dedicated to a future that she doesn't know if she's going to have. You know what? I think think the thing is, she's cranky to begin with. Yeah. And at this point in her crankiness, any little thing is going to set. You've been there, Mary. Yes, that, that mindset where everything is personal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've been there. We've been there, you know, where you're having, you're just having the worst week ever. And then even the the smallest slight is a personal attack. Yeah, because all he did was tell her that she probably should have looked into what the vampires were stealing. Because yeah, a lot of the times when the vampires steal things, it's kind of important. Yeah. Unless there's been like a rash of vampire petty theft we haven't been told about. Well, they do steal a lot of blood. That's true. To that be is fair, true. To be fair, though, them stealing a couple packages of blood is better than them killing everybody. Right? Like, I just let them take the blood. I think Joe set that up. I think Joe did. I think Buffy ruined Joe's operation. He's like, look, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to keep the death down. I've got to deal with the hospital. They're not even really stealing. They think this is like, they think they're donating to some like outward clinic. Yes. And you just, you ruined the whole thing. And now they're going to go back to killing people. And that's kind of on you, sweetheart. Yeah. We're not stealing everything. We're not stealing everything. You know, we're just, we're, we're not in the midst of an emergency where we need this blood, where the town needs the blood. There hasn't been any disasters. Yeah. It was like one cooler. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Buffy should have just let him have it. Yeah. That's uh, because, and I love the whole fact that, that Angel was like, oh, everybody knows that it's blood delivery day. See, it was, it's clearly an established thing. Yes. And then Buffy went and ruined it. Yep. Buffy tells Giles that he's acting like she chose this gig. She did it. She was the chosen. Giles tells her it's more than a gig. It's a calling, a sacred duty. And yes, it will offer some complications, but there is no reason it should stop her from finding some other means of gainful employment. Like he did. Buffy says that's different. Being a watcher and a librarian go together. Like chicken and another chicken. (laughs) What is she supposed to do? Carve steaks for a nursery? Giles starts to admit that he never really took the time to think about it before turning to Buffy with a, what about law enforcement? (laughs) Frowning, she says nothing, instead motioning to the mausoleum with the flashlight. The two head inside and see that one of the marble slabs in the wall now has a hole in it. Taking the flashlight, Giles peeks inside and says it's a reliquary used to house items of religious significance, like the bones of a saint. Buffy makes a sort of face at that thought and says, note to self, Religion equals freaky. Scanning the rest of the mausoleum, Giles notices the name above the door. Dulac. He mutters a few oh dears as Buffy says she (laughs) hates when he does that. (laughs) Giles tells her that Josephus Dulac was buried there. That he was part of a religious sect that was excommunicated from the Vatican around the turn of the century. Excommunicated and sent to Sunnydale? (laughs) Wow. Sucks to be him. You know, I was gonna, I was, I think that every time I watch this episode, like... (laughs) 
Giles continues saying the book that was stolen from the library a few weeks ago was written by Duloc, but that in all the excitement, he completely forgot about it. Buffy's guessing it wasn't a taste of the Vatican cookbook. (laughs) No, it was said to contain spells and rituals that would breed unspeakable evil, but it was written in an archaic form of Latin so that no one outside the sect would be able to read it. Okay, so then they're good, right? Wrong. First, the vampires take the Dulac manuscript and then something from his tomb. Buffy asks if Giles thinks they figured out how to read it. He's not sure, but something's coming and it's not something good. Bum, bum, bum. A line which takes us directly to the Sunnydale bus depot. Nothing good ever happens at the Sunnydale bus depot. No, nothing good. No. I mean, and they were were rightfully concerned. They were right to be concerned when... Empato. Empato, yeah. 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 A bus pulls in from Los Angeles and off it steps our first member of the Order of Taraka, a nasty looking dude with a wicked scar over his left eye. According to the script, his name is Octaris. Oh. (laughs) Meanwhile, our second member of the Order, Norman Pfister, walks down the street, giving a small cursory glance to Buffy's house as he walks by, heading instead for her next door neighbor's place. He's a normal looking sort of guy, exceedingly normal. Like, you wouldn't look at him twice kind of normal, which I'm guessing is a good way to be if you're a bounty hunter and want to work on stealth. Ringing the neighbor's door, he introduces himself and says, he's with the Beauty Blush Cosmetics Company. But don't worry, he's not selling anything. He just wants to know if she'd be interested in a few free samples. Free? She steps aside and lets him in. The door closes and there's only a few seconds before we hear a blood-curdling scream. He's too normal looking. Yes. Like, every time I think of him... He just looks too normal, like so normal he's creepy. And what about the third member? Well, we do see a plane flying overhead right before we go to the Sunnydale airport. One of the workers opens the cargo hold and steps inside, only to see shadows moving in the back. He tells whoever it is that they're not supposed to be there. He ventures closer, holding his... Is it like the light thing that they use to direct the planes? I don't know. He's holding something. I guess he's going to bop whoever over the head with it. But just about when he reaches where the shadows were, a leg shoots out, kicking him. A few more hits come and he drops unconscious. That's when we see a pair of boots walk towards the door and a girl peeks out. But wait, this is no bounty hunter. It's Kendra! Yay! Kendra, played by the ever-lovely, never-aging... Oh my god, it's so ...Bianca Lawson. I swear, she might have played a Slayer, but she is 10,000% a vampire. Oh, absolutely. I am sure everyone here knows about Bianca Lawson, but just in case you don't, she has been on everything from Buffy to Saved by the Bell the New Class to Pretty Little Liars to The Vampire Diaries and Teen Wolf. At least she played a teacher on Teen Wolf. True. She's kind of run the gamut of the Supernatural-esque shows, and she somehow looks the same in Teen wolf as she does right here oh exactly yeah did she play i remember pretty little liars did she play a teenager in pretty little yes she played um yeah emily's first girlfriend that's right yeah 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 it's been a while since i watched that but yeah like i remember when she popped up like like she can seriously still play a teenager Mm -hmm. she also auditioned to play the role of cordelia and it makes me wonder if she's the actress they originally wanted. Yeah, when they wanted, when the creator wanted an African American actress. Yes. And the network was like, well, then you can't have a mixed race couple. And he was like, but I don't want to be boxed in. So I guess I won't do that. Thanks, network. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that, that's one criticism against him that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. Is because and and we'll get we'll get to the other we'll get to another one later. You know which one yeah. I'm talking about. We've ran it yes. many times. Is he was 
beholden to what the network wanted. The network had final approval. These days, very little is off the table for creators. Yes. But back in the 90s, we couldn't have as much as we wanted. You couldn't have, like... And I mean, you were dependent on network television. Cable wasn't expanding to, like, shows. Yep. It's like, HBO and all them were still mostly movies. Yes. Yeah, in the 90s. One of the... Because what I... One of the first non-network shows that I can think of right now was The Sopranos. Like that was one of the big shows that wasn't tied to the main networks. But back in the day, what the network said is what went. I mean, and it goes back, like things go back to, you know, throughout history, throughout the history of television. I mean, you had in... In Star Trek, the original Star Trek, you had the kiss between Kirk and Uhuru, which was one of the first interracial kisses that you saw on television. And people flipped their shit. The only reason Samantha and Darren were allowed to be shown sleeping in the same bed is because the show dealt with a supernatural element. Exactly. Otherwise, they would have had to be in the separate beds like Lucy and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. And it was all because like you couldn't you couldn't even show married couples sleeping together. Yeah. Network stuff is ridiculous. That's one of the things that I like about what they did in WandaVision. Yes. When they had the separate beds and Wanda pulled them together. That was a really good, that was a good That was really cute, yeah. So yes, don't, don't, you can, you can criticize him for as much as you want. And especially for his off, you know, his behind the scenes behavior. Yes. But do know that some things on screen, you have to play the network's game. And that, and that also like goes with, with what we were, like what we complain about with when he went to work for Marvel. Yes. There were a lot of things that, decisions that were made in his Kevin movies Feige. that were Feige. Kevin Feige's decision at the end of the Age of Ultron is my villain origin story. My villain origin story started with Coulson. <laughs> but Kevin yeah, like, Feige. and the thing is, it's like, yes, he, you know, Joss Whedon got the reputation of killing characters off because he didn't want you to get attached to people. Yeah. And that's what Feige ended up wanting him to do. He's like, you're known for this. And he didn't want to kill Coulson. He didn't want to kill Pietro. No. So yes, we can criticize him for his behavior, but criticizing him for things that were out of his control isn't fair. Okay. okay. <laughs> that was our that was our our rant that we that we have constantly gone through before the unjustified hate that he got before yeah. all of his other behavior came out. <laughs> I will say they do a great job of leading us to believe that Kendra is one of the assassins. Yes. Yes. And I am 90% sure that when this episode first aired, that's who we all assumed she was. Yes. At least in this moment. Yes. And the script takes that even farther, describing her eyes as feline and feral, mentioning she's a predator, all to make it seem like she's the one who lines up with that image of the jaguar. Yes. Yeah, no, I like, I really do like the way that she's presented at first. And fun fact about the cargo hold that Kendra arrives in, it was later turned upside down and used as a sewer tunnel. (laughs) I love- We recycle things on this show. I love repurposing, you know, in in the the whole Hollywood thing of repurposing sets into something completely different, you know, and that's like in the old Star Trek, like every planet was exactly the same. They just shifted things around a little bit. Back in the library, Willow asks if Giles is sure the vampire who stole his book is connected to the one that she slayed the night before. 
Or is it slew? Appearing from behind the stacks, he says it's both. And yes, he's sure. Duloc, it turns out, was both a theologian and a mathematician and invented something called the Duloc Cross. Xander wants to know why go through all the trouble of inventing something and then giving it a weak name like that. Why not use the Crossomatic or the amazing Mr. <laughs> Cross? Giles just stares at him for a moment. Literally, the script says, Xander is getting the stare again. <laughs> I love this script. <laughs> Marty's fantastic. Yeah. Saying nothing and then continues. The cross wasn't just an artifact. It was a way to read certain mystical texts or decipher hidden meanings. Wait, so what he's saying is that the vampires went through all this trouble for your basic decoder ring? (laughs) Yeah, he supposes he is. Willow, now looking over the National Geographic magazine that Giles had a few moments earlier, says the article he had been reading says Duloc destroyed every cross except for the one he had buried with him. Why? Why destroy your own invention? Giles supposes it's because Duloc feared what would happen if anyone was to decode the manuscript. The evil that would be unleashed. Evil they'll now get to experience up close and personal, Mm -hmm. says Xander. Unless they can find a way to prevent it, well, how do they do that? By discovering what's in the manuscript before the vampires do, which means they can expect to be there long into the night. At that, Willow perks up. Oh, yay! Research party! (laughs) I would be there with Will. Yeah, me too. I love love a good research party. Like, Giles, can we order pizza? (laughs) Yes, we can get donuts. We know Giles loves donuts. We do know Giles loves donuts. We can go to the one Starbucks and get some Frappuccinos. It'll be great. Xander tells her she needs a life in the worst way. Speaking of which, Buffy says she needs to bail, but that she promises she'll be back bright and early in the morning, refreshed and ready to slay. Giles tells her that this is a matter of some urgency, and she says she knows that, but they have to admit she's kind of lacking in the book area. All she'd be doing there is being there for moral support. Sandra tells her that's not true. She contributes. She makes the snack runs. (laughs) I need us to take a moment and reflect on that. That Xander is better at the research than Buffy is. Yeah, I think the thing with Buffy is she likes action. She does. You know, Xander, when he puts his mind to something, he can get it done. But like Buffy said, she just, she, and you know what? I think a lot of too is she has all this nervous energy. She is cranky. Just let her go. Let her go take a nap. Willow says that maybe Buffy should go, rest up for what's coming. And Giles reluctantly agrees, saying that there may be many battles ahead. See, yes, let her go take a nap. Xander's a bit pouty over this fact as ho-hos are vital to his cognitive (laughs) process. I feel you there, Xander. Like we just said, junk food is very, very valuable to any research slash study session. Yes, you need a lot of coffee and you need a lot of junk food. Buffy says she's sorry, but there's somewhere she needs to be. Like the ice rink. As we next see her out on the ice skating. And yes, that is actually Sarah. Yep, yep. It's all very peaceful and calm, right until Octaris shows up. Buffy missteps, falling and sliding across the ice. Octaris grabs her, pulling her over the wall and trying to choke her, which is when Angel shows up. Crying out her name, he rushes over and manages to get the guy off her. They fight, and things are not looking good for Angel until Buffy grabs a bit of netting and swings up, slicing Octaris's throat with the blade of her skate. He stumbles onto the ice before falling down dead, which causes Drusilla to turn over one of her cards, having sensed his failure. Spike tells her not to worry, that they're close. They only need a little bit more time. Drew looks at the other two cards, the other two hunters, and agrees. Every step they make brings the Slayer closer to her doom. Back at the ice rink. you take, I'll be watching you. Sorry. (laughs) Back at the ice rink, Angel checks the body as Buffy makes a quip about dead guys on ice. (laughs) 
Seeing the ring, Angel asks her if she knows what it means. That she just killed a Super Bowl champ? (laughs) It's not funny. She's in danger. He wants her to go home and wait until she hears from him. They need to make a plan to get her out of town. Wait, what? Hide? If that's what keeps her safe. And what about him? The cut on his eye. She goes to touch it and he steps back. She tells him not to be such a baby that she's not going to hurt him. It's not that. It's... He doesn't want her to have to touch him when he's like this. As he's still in full-on vamp mode from the fight. Buffy gives him a look and takes off her gloves, slowly moving her hand over the ridges of his face. Telling him that she didn't even notice. Which is when the two kiss. And as they make with the smooches on the ice, Kendra watches from a distance. (laughs) In the library, Giles examines the ring. Buffy tells him whoever this guy was... He was hardcore, and Angel was majorly spooked by the ring. Angel really should have said something to her about it. Right? Like, why didn't you say something there? You know, like, he obviously knows. Like, yeah, stop with the... Oh, my God. Just, just... Why must you be so cryptic? You know, you obviously know what this ring symbolizes. Just tell her. Then that, that, that cuts down on everybody's research. Use your words. It's not that hard. I know. You're very handsome, but please talk sometimes. Giles says he was right to worry that the ring is worn by the Order of Taraka, a group of bounty hunters dating back to the days of King Solomon. Yeah, didn't they beat the Elks in this year's Adult Bowling League? (laughs) Giles says their purpose is to sow discord and kill the unweary. Xander remarks that bowling is a vicious game, which urges him an enough from Giles. He apologizes a moment later, but this is not the time for jokes. He needs to think. There is a lot of people snapping at other people going on in this episode. I know. Everybody needs a nap and a snack. Yes. Giles did not get his jelly donut this morning. He didn't. Somebody else ate his jelly donut this again. Buffy wants to know why these guys would be after her. And Willow suggests that maybe because she's the scourge of the underworld. Buffy says she hasn't been that scourgy lately. (laughs) Giles says he doesn't know what's going on, but for now, the best course of action may be to find a safe location and lay low. Okay, that's now him and Angel that have told her to head for the hills. Do they not think she can beat them? Is she not strong enough? Giles says it's not about that. That the Order is a breed unto themselves. That unlike vampires or other demons, they have no earthly desires except for collecting their bounty. And they will not stop until she is dead. She can kill as many as she likes, but they'll keep coming. One after another, and another. Which takes us back to Norman, who is watching the Summer's house, and particularly Buffy's room, through a pair of binoculars. As we see him, Giles continues his explanation. Each one works alone and in his own way. Some are human, some not. She will have no way of knowing who one of them is until they strike. Well, this guy is definitely not one of the human ones. Oh, no, no, no. As there are bugs milling all around him on the floor, his shoes, the dead body of the neighbor, puts the binoculars down and we see one of his arms begin to reform like from said bugs. Ugh. Once it's done, he reaches for the teacup beside him taking a sip. And I'm just like, nope, no, 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 we're done. No, no, no. I can't. No, no, no. Nope, but, I am okay. not okay with Norman either. As much as I hate bugs, and we y- y'all know I hate them. <laughs> Do we know that? I did enjoy Marty talking about the process of finding the right bugs and how they had tests and they met lots of worms <laughs> before they found just the right one. And how, yes, there are worm wranglers. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's a reptile, a mammal, a bird, or an insect. If you have a living creature on set, you have to have a representative of the ASPCA there yep. as well. Yep. So the, the worms were very well treated. <laughs> I love that. Sunny, I really do. <laughs> I 
know. I was like, I don't like bugs, but this is a great story. Yes. At Sunnydale High, Buffy walks through the halls, seriously wigged. Every sound, every person who gets too close sends her on high alert. She's already having a bad time. Right? Oz comes up behind her and she slams him into a locker, telling him to try it. Try what? She quickly realizes she made a mistake and lets him go apologizing. Okay, but he still doesn't get what he was supposed to try. (laughs) She apologizes again, saying she needs to go and stumbles off. As Oz remarks that she is an intense person, we flash to a storefront random, and then to Buffy wandering her neighborhood alone at night, because absolutely that's what you should do when bounty hunters are after you. I mean, it's no different than her normal night. That's true. Back in the library, Willow says she wishes there was more they could do. And Giles says they're doing all they can. That right now, the best way to help Buffy is to figure out what was in that stolen book. Willow says she's never seen Buffy like that. She just took off. Xander says she didn't go home as he let the phone ring a few hundred times before remembering her mom is out of town. Giles suggests that maybe she unplugged it. No, it's a statistical improbability for a 16-year-old girl to unplug her phone. Yep. Willow nods in agreement. Giles says maybe his words of caution were a little too alarming. You think? (laughs) Just a little bit. Plus, also, don't they have an answering machine? I would think so. (laughs) But I guess you don't want to leave it in case Joyce gets home first. That's true. That's true. Just like, hey, Buffy, where are you? Willow says it's good that Buffy took him seriously. She just wishes they knew where she was. Well, she's at Angel's. As we see her descend the stairs to his apartment before knocking on the door. She calls his name and when she gets no answer, she lets herself in, looking around. She wanders for a second, taking everything in before laying down on his bed curling into a fetal position. Angel, meanwhile, is at Willie's, a dive bar that (laughs) caters to the supernatural. I love Willie's. Willie's sweeping up and Angel's form appears in the doorway. At first, he says they're closed. But once he realizes who the person in his doorway is, he changes his tune, says he didn't recognize him there in the dark. Angel says he's come for information. And Willie says he's out of that game, doesn't (laughs) run in those circles anymore. But these days, he's flying straight. Yeah, right. And Angel's taking up sunbathing. (laughs) Willie tells him it doesn't have to be like that. This is what I'm excited for, knowing when Angel gets his own series. Mm-hmm. Because he does get more of these awesome character building yes. moments. Like, he does have a great sense of humor. And when he when he becomes a detective and everything, that's when it really is going to start to get good for him. Willie tells him it doesn't have to be like that. That he's been good to him, to all the vamps. He doesn't hassle them. They don't hassle him. Everyone enjoys the bar. Angel wants to know who sent the Order of Taraka. Willie tells him again. He doesn't know. He's out of the game. Angel knows better and asks again. Who sent them? Was it Spike? When Willie still refuses to answer, he slams his head down on the table and tells him, it's been a while since he last killed a human. He's a little rusty, so this might take a while. Willie says Spike will have him drawn and quartered. Angel says leave Spike to him. Because of course it was Spike that ordered the hit. He was tired of Angel's girl always getting in his way, mucking (laughs) up his plans. What plans? Oh no, if he tells him that, he's going to need relocation expenses. (laughs) It's going to cost Angel. Angel presses down harder, saying... It's going to cost who? Okay, okay, he'll tell him. Spike and that freaky girl of his are, before he can finish, a pole comes up and slams into Angel's face. (laughs) He falls to the ground as Kendra looms over him. The pole? Actually, the wooden handle of the broom Willie had been using to sweep up. Kendra breaks it over her knee and goes to slay Angel with her makeshift stake. 
Angel rolls out of the way, and Willie, well, he wastes no time in escaping, running from the bar the moment the fight starts in earnest. Angel and Kendra battle, crashing through a door and into the back room. I think my favorite part of the scene is where Angel's shirt flies open for some inexplicable reason. I know, I know. Let's look at his chest. I mean, we appreciate David's abs, but that was fantastic. Like, why is your shirt not buttoned? I know, I know. It was a very... Look, I think we need to talk to Marty about this one. I think we do. I think this was Marty being like, we're just going to throw in a little bit of eye candy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had, we had, we were going to have a discussion with Greenwald and we can have, again, this is going to be me going to Marty's house. Making your sandwich. Making my sandwich. Waiting for her to call the cops on me. (laughs) Eventually, Kendra is able to get the upper hand and kicks Angel back into a cage. I I just love how like every place in Sunnydale has a handy dandy cage for locking people and or monsters in. I mean, it makes sense that Willie's... No, it definitely makes sense that Willie's has it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there being a book cage at the school does make sense too, especially because Giles, you know, does Yeah, have- he has a lot of like rare stuff. Yeah. Angel demands to know who she is, says that if she tells him what he wants to know, he won't hurt her. She smirks and he asks her if she thinks it's funny. Slamming the door of the cage shut, she says she thinks it's funny now. <laughs> She wants to know where the girl he was seen kissing is. Angel says that once he gets out, well, he better work fast then, as the room has eastern exposure and sunrise is in just a few hours. Plenty of time to find his girlfriend. Padlocking the cage, she walks off. In the morning, in the library, or I don't know, it's soon to be morning, still looking over his books, Giles talks to Xander on the phone, saying he's yet to hear from Buffy and maybe it's time someone, i.e. Xander, go to her house and check on her. We can suppose Xander asks how he's supposed to get there. Like he hasn't just appeared at her house in several other episodes. Yeah, seriously. Like he found, he found Angel's house. Yeah. Like walk there. Do you, all your houses seem to be in walking distance. Yes. You're a teenage boy. You're at least in the same school district. And Giles says he doesn't know. Ask Cordelia to try. Giles is done. He then hangs up and grabs one of the books, making his way out to where Willow is at the table, asleep atop the computer. Giles's look upon seeing her is the most adorable thing. And you can tell he just wishes he had like a blanket I know. to drape over her. He leans over, tapping her gently, and Willow awakes with a start, yelling, Don't warn the tadpoles! <laughs> She then a little confused asks Giles what he's doing there. (laughs) It's the library. And she fell asleep. Oh, she must have conked out. Giles asks about the whole don't warn the tadpoles thing. And Willow says she has frog fear. No, Willow. She apologizes for falling asleep. And Giles assures her that she went above and beyond. Also, he thinks he might have found something. While he doesn't yet know everything, a description of the missing manuscript says that it's a ritual used to restore a sick and or weakened vampire to full strength. So a vampire like Drusilla. Exactly. So a few things about Willow's frog fear. One, the fear of frog is called ranidophobia. Mm-hmm. Two, we will see this again later in the season and killed by death. Yep. And three, she had a stuffed frog in Inca Mummy Girl. So I'm guessing fake frogs don't bother her, only real ones. Yeah. Yeah, she probably, you know, cute, cute frogs. Like, I, I'm definitely afraid of spiders, but like, cute stuffed spiders don't yeah. scare me. At the factory, Dalton has apparently finished decoding the manuscript as he hands a pile of papers to Spike. Quoting My Fair Lady with a, by Jove, I think he's got it. (laughs) Spike moves towards Drew. They finally have it, the key to her cure, the missing link. And it turns out 
It was right in front of them the whole time. Drew places her hand on a card depicting an angel falling to his doom. Mm-hmm. Xander and Cordelia arrive at Buffy's. Cordelia, unable to believe that Xander dragged her out of bed for this, for a <laughs> ride. What is she? Mass transportation? Xander makes a less than stellar comment about locker room talk Ugh. and what some of the boys at school have supposedly said, mm-hmm. leaving Cordelia to say, great, she's his ride and his punching bag. Xander, though, prefers to think of her as his witless foil. He heads up the steps and bangs on the door, calling Buffy's name. Nothing. This is the last time we will see the actual house that is used for Buffy's house. Oh. Literally. Like, by part two, they have moved to using a replica of the exterior on a soundstage. Oh, wow. So, like, they make the switch halfway through this this thing. <laughs> one more, one more time. But also, I like how this whole thing with Cordelia and Xander is now you're starting to see where the tension is leading them. Yes. Because it's going to... Very much are. It's going to heat up. It's going to blow up very soon. Yeah, very soon. (laughs) As he begins to search for another way in, he tells Cordelia that if she wants to be a member of the Scooby gang, that she's going to have to be willing to be inconvenienced every once in a while. Yeah, because that's what she dreams of, being a member of their stupid club. (laughs) That, you know, her first husband being a bald homeless man. Finding an unlocked window, Xander opens it and steps inside, saying Buffy could be in trouble. And what if she is? Cordelia moves towards the door waiting for Xander to open it. What is he going to do? Buffy is the superhero. He is just the lameness. At least he's the lameness who cares, which is more than he can say about her. He lets her in, closing the door behind them. Leaving Cordelia to wait downstairs, he says he's going to check the upstairs. Cordelia wanders around, playing with the car key in her hand. And her outfit here is the most Southern California rich kid outfit ever. Oh, yes. Like, she doesn't look like he dragged her out of bed. She looks like he's stopping her from getting to her tennis session at the country club. Oh, yeah. Like, Cordelia always has that Southern California rich girl look. Oh, yeah. Everything, like, you could, again, you know, any one of them you could put in any school and they could fit in. Like, just keep their clothing. But with Cordelia, she screams, I live in Southern California. Oh, yeah. A knock sounds on the door as Cordelia goes to open it, revealing Norman. He gives her the same cosmetic spiel he gave the neighbor. Oh, no. And hearing the word free, Cordelia steps aside to let him in. Angel, meanwhile, is still in the cage at Willie's, attempting to bust himself out to no avail. And finally, we check back in on Buffy, who spent the night sleeping, a bit fitfully, it seems, at Angel's. She wakes up right as Kendra is about to slam an axe into her. Scrambling, she gets up and dives for Kendra, assuming she's number two. She thanks her for the wake-up call, but says she thinks she'll stick with her clock radio. They fight, pretty evenly matched, but Buffy eventually uses the classic chick fight maneuvers of nail digging and hair pulling (laughs) to gain the upper hand. Hey, gotta go with what works. Kendra demands to know who Buffy is, and Buffy says, nah-uh, Kendra attacked her. So who the fuck is she? (laughs) She's Kendra. The Vampire Slayer. What? And that's part one. Woohoo! Back in the day, this was a very stressful cliffhanger. It was. Angel is doubly in danger from the sun and from Spike. Xander and Cordy are in Buffy's house with a supernatural assassin. And there's a second Slayer. Our little minds were blown. It was, I, I clearly remember going to school the next day and being like, please tell me you watched. Mm -hmm. Please 
Please tell me you watched because we need to talk about this. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the reaction to this one as much as I remember the reaction to Surprise. But like, I definitely remember this being like, what is going on? And in hindsight, it makes sense because she died. Yes, absolutely. Like when Giles, like when we get into the next episode and they figure out what's going on and Giles explains it, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But at the time you were like, what? Yeah, I love it. Uh, anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season two, episode 10. What's my line? Part two. Yes. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.